Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, everyone. Come on in. Pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are so excited to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Today, our friends Jacob and Nicholas from Hard as Nails will be with us in the cafe for the entire hour to discuss being in the world and not of the world. And what can this mean, or what should this mean to each of us? Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. Start us with a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for another day. We thank you for your goodness and for your love. We ask the grace to be faithful today. We ask for the grace to, to know what it means to be a true missionary and to live out whatever purpose and plan that you have for our life to the full. To be filled with joy and abundance and goodness so that we overflow to sharing with all of your children to bless our families to bless our friends our co-workers wherever you have us in this day help us to be lights a light to all nations we give all glory and honor to you and we offer this to you through the arms of mary in the name of jesus amen amen father son holy spirit amen you have a new mug. <laughs> I don't even know if you'd call it a mug. It's a, or what would you call it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a mate gourd for um, drinking mate, yerba mate. Okay, let, let's start with the gourd part. Uh, is that an actual gourd? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I think it's handmade and then wrapped in um, what seems to be like tanned leather. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then what went, what goes into the gourd? Um, the yerba, which is, you know, I, I'm not completely educated on it, but it's, it's kind of like a green tea. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a little kick to it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think it has more caffeine than your regular, regular tea. So tell me that's not true. That's why I opted for this this morning. <laughs> and then it comes with a straw. Yeah. The bombilla. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Amanda. <laughs> I just got to keep things interesting, you know? <laughs> you are doing this. So I'm sorry, what's the straw called? Um, well, you know, I'm not native, so I, but I think I, it's called Bambija. Okay. Bambija? Is that a hot beverage no, I, then? I, yes, it is. I got, well, you can, you can actually drink it cold. Um, and I think that's called Tedede, but, um, yeah, I'm drinking it hot. Well, ole. <laughs> ole. <laughs> You have a good evening? Um, I did have a good evening. It was, a, it was a restful evening. And it was so beautiful last night. Did you go outside? I did. I went over to Sharon Woods on my way home to pray evening prayer. And where, where I like to go, uh, there's a, a, a picnic bench underneath some really large, beautiful trees. Are they, I guess it's a walnut tree because they're dropping walnuts everywhere. And, and they're these it sounds dangerous. Big. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, they're these big, um, like bombs dropping. And I'm like, yeah, man, maybe I should find a new place. I mean, they're hitting the picnic table. I'm like, one of those things hits you on the top of the head. I mean, I, I had to be out. And then and I'm thinking, how long would I be here? You know, 
before somebody actually notices my head is down and I'm not sleeping. I actually got <laughs> clocked by a walnut. Right. But then, so I'm sitting there doing evening prayer. I feel something on the back of my neck. Oh, no. And I, like, reached for it. I couldn't feel it. And then it was kind of down a little bit beneath oh, no. the collar. So I pull it, and it, and it kind of squishes. Ew. <laughs> yeah, I pull it out. It's a, um, uh, what, uh, a caterpillar. Oh. A big, furry, Ew. somewhat squished, and you squished caterpillar. It? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was evening prayer for me. Okay. In, in the midst of uh, God's creation, right. praising him and giving him glory for for everything that's around, you around know, us. And, you know, Dave, that's not very Franciscan of you to squish a caterpillar. I, I had no idea what I was reaching for. Uh-huh. Okay, but maybe it was very Franciscan if the Lord taught you something through this. What does the squished caterpillar mean? It's not going to be a butterfly. <laughs> I know that. So. that. That actually does make for good meditation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, we can walk with that one tomorrow. So. <laughs> I actually had a very good reflection in, in nature last night as well. I did not squish any caterpillars. Good, good. We need butterflies. <laughs> um, but I was just praying about, you know, the beauty of this time of year and the leaves are changing and what it means in our spiritual life also to just, okay, Lord, whatever is is not of you to, mm. to die and fall away, you know, to... To use this this time and this season and whatever it is that that doesn't serve you, that doesn't um, those things that like the leaves, right, need to change or need to fall away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm also looking forward to winter because this idea of like quietness and rest. And so I think the seasons can really teach us something about the spiritual life if we take the time to reflect on it. Let's come back to that in February, okay. right? When we're in the midst of uh, slush. <laughs> yeah, I'll let and, you know uh, then how it's going. <laughs> <laughs> but there, then we're looking forward to the next season, right? Right, and, right. Uh, I, I was listening to a, a reflection of a, uh, in, a an inner city uh, missionary, and there was a knock on his door, a pounding. Like one of those, either it's like really bad news you know, he's thinking of a, a police officer and they have shootings in the neighborhood and everything, like what's going on. So he says a prayer uh, as he's opening the door and there's a little boy there and he's like, you have to come with me. You have to come with me. And uh, this missionary didn't know what, mm-hmm. you know, what was going on. And it's getting dark out and the little boy runs uh, over to uh, a grassy area next to the house and there's lightning bugs oh. everywhere. And this kid had such awe. Yeah. He had never seen them before. He had no idea what they were. So this missionary then had, uh, uh, he's like, isn't this, isn't God so great that he gave us this little bug and his butt lights up. <laughs> and so they, they and we just, can be delighted in it. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, to have that awe, to have that wonder of a, of a child. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. And I love that he like pounded on the door with such enthusiasm. Come, come and see. Yeah. Like, oh man, if we all had that kind of enthusiasm, right? <laughs> and awe and wonder. Yeah. Yeah. So Love walk that. with that today, folks. Squished uh, <laughs> caterpillars and, and lightning bugs. So our friends, Jacob and Nicholas from Heart as Nails, are here with us. Gentlemen, good morning. Welcome. Morning, everybody. 
Welcome back, Jacob. Welcome for the first time, Nicholas. Hello, good to be here. What's your mom's name? My mom's name is Aaron. If you're Aaron. watching, mom, I love you. Thank you for raising <laughs> me. Yeah. So that's the difference between Nicholas and Nick. So mm -hmm. I promise to call you Nicholas because that's what your mom would want. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's fair. We'll do that. We'll do that. So you guys are with Heart as Nails Ministries here living in, I guess, is it technically Granville? Or is it yeah, technically Newark? Newark. Newark. Okay. Okay. At the St. Peter and Paul Center. That's right. Moved in over the summer and now you're on some of our high school campuses. Uh, yeah. Give us an update. Where are you and what are you doing? Yeah. So we actually just started work at St. Francis de Sales. We're also in Newark Catholic mm -hmm. and Go Green Wave, Go Stallions. Mm -hmm. And then we're also working at Bishop Hartley, Go Hawks. Um, I tried to do You know the mascots the, well done. Yeah, yeah good yeah. job. I mean, I'm still learning their chants a little bit. You know, I went and I was like, go, go Hawks, but they weren't, they weren't about that. <laughs> they didn't we're like that one. Yeah, we're, we're, we're working on it. We'll get there. We'll get there. That's more of like a sparrow or something. <laughs> I know. What, what's a I hawk sound need like? need to work on my animal noises, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So what are you doing on the, on the high school campuses? What are you doing? Yeah, it's been a real blessing. Um, we run a program called uh, Catholic Sports Outreach, and we run a program called Missionary Discipleship. So we have a core team kind of based on the campus. So Newark Catholic, we've been there for about a month and a half now, I'd say. And kind of the idea for the Missionary Discipleship Program is we're putting together a group of, you know, 8 to 12 kids who are solid, dependable in their faith, want to be involved. And we'll kind of work with those kids to get the whole school on fire for Jesus. Mm. Um, so working with them, we'll establish a Wednesday night prayer group following a retreat that we'll run. And so that way you have, you know, this beautiful retreat, you know, get the kids really excited about Christ, but then you don't leave them high and dry. You start yeah. this Wednesday night prayer group every week where it's pizza, prayer, a message, testimonies from kids and missionaries. Um, yeah, just to kind of keep the faith ignited and going. And, and then, you're and so you're traveling between the three schools then throughout the week. Yeah, so yeah. we're at Newark Catholic uh, running that program, and then the other program we run is the Catholic Sports Outreach, which is primarily working with the sports teams. So that one we're doing at St. Francis de Sales and Bishop Hartley as well. Mm -hmm. And so that one is has a higher focus on the sports athletes, um, doing team messages with them, and as well as bringing in you know two to four kids who are like leaders from the team. Yeah, so providing uh, the opportunity for an encounter with Christ. Uh -huh. so it's like the football captain or the volleyball captain. Yeah, because right. you learn all these great virtues, right, in mm -hmm. sports, you know, the, yeah. the dependability, the accountability, things like that. And so it's all about kind of taking those things that these kids already have, but then showing them, hey, this is how, you know, you can use that to lead your team to Christ and victory. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the premise. I don't know if that paints a good picture. But. It does. It does. It sounds fantastic. And then they... These leaders, because they are leaders, yeah. you know, in the school community, um, others look up to them. Exactly. And yeah. yeah, I mean, my conversion happened when I was in high school, and I was heavily involved in sports. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just I'm super blessed to be able to kind of minister to those kids, minister to younger Nicholas. And what was that conversion like for you, Nicholas? Oh, man, you're going straight for the jugular. <laughs> yeah. Um, can I give you the three-minute version That'd or shorter? Is yeah. That okay? yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Where'd you grow up? I'm from Colorado Springs originally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so love love the mountains. It's probably the hardest part about being away from home, aside from missing well, my so, mom. So you, so you must love Ohio then. Oh, yeah. I actually, I do appreciate Columbus a lot. It's actually been really fun here. So Good. Yeah, no no discontent in my heart for Columbus. Wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, 
just to, yeah, to be frank and to the point, going through high school, I really struggled with myself a lot. I mean, I won't get into the details too much, but I think everybody struggles with this to an extent where you have like certain thoughts going through your head, telling you certain lies, you know, telling you you're not good enough, you know, you should give up, no one likes you, you're weak, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And I just did not know how to cope with them. Mm -hmm. Got into a lot of bad habits, but I think the way that God really got me through that um, was actually through the word of God. So, you know, if you can imagine like 17-year-old Nicholas who sucks at reading is like borderline dyslexic, picks up the Bible. <laughs> For some reason, as I'm reading these verses, just start jumping off the page at me, like mm. just stuck with me so much. And that for whatever reason, you know, I start memorizing verses. And so when I wake up in the morning, I'd hear, you know, on the one side of my head, okay, well, you know, you're weak, you're not good enough. But then on the other side of my head, I hear, well, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, you know, my grace is sufficient for you for power is made perfect in weakness. Or Yeah. So I could, I could at least choose what I wanted to listen to. And so through that, I really, I was able to carry my cross well. You know, my mm-hmm. suffering kind of became manageable, mm-hmm. I like to say. And honestly, I'm pretty grateful. It sounds probably weird to say, but I'm grateful that I, you know, God allowed me to struggle with those thoughts in my head because I think if I hadn't had them, like I probably would be a jerk. I probably, <laughs> I think they made me a lot more sensitive of a person sure. um, having to go through that. So yeah, that's kind of my story, how I like really got involved with my faith. But Did you find a peer community then to, to support you? Yeah, I had really my best friend. He was kind of the person. So the way I really got into the Bible was my, my best friend. He's in seminary now, actually, but he invited me on a retreat that I thought was like a camping trip. <laughs> so really I was, I was duped. Um, but so it, yeah, my best friend walked with me a lot. And then I still like was struggling with how to like live out my faith in the world, especially in high school. Um, and so after, after I graduated, I found hard as nails and have been there ever since. Yeah. That's outstanding. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I well, think the importance of where a ministry like hard as nails comes in, because like you, Nicholas, similar, um, I was going to, conf- I didn't go to a Catholic high school, so I was going to confirmation at my mm-hmm. my parish, and then going back to school, I wasn't seeing any examples, and so didn't know how to live it out. But when you have a missionary group like Hard as Nails in the school, mm-hmm. um, kind of showing you, or friends that are helping lead you or pull you, yep. that's that makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so... Actually, I'm wondering why hard as nails. Like, what, what, what's the title? Where'd that, where'd the name come from? Yeah, we just talked about this yesterday, actually. So we had a we had a staff meeting with all of our administrator staff members and our founder Justin Fatika. So the name really was birthed out of um, the heart of hard as nails started in New Jersey. Mm. So if you've anybody's been to New Jersey, it's just a wild place. You know, we got hard people there, so we hard as nails. No, but. Um, our founder, Justin Fatika, and the founders of Harder's Nails, Tim Hanley, Brian Greenfield, were speaking at um, a big fest called Soul Fest. And so um, as they're walking through the crowds, they saw this young person with a sweatshirt. It said, Jesus Christ is hard as nails. Mm-hmm. And um, I know, it just kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. It stuck. And really the heart of the name of Harder's Nails is like what Nick was sharing is that, yes, their life is hard, especially the Christian journey. It's hard. You know, the topic we're talking about today, it's not meant to be easy, mm-hmm. but that's the greatest battles that will be won are the ones that are hard. You know, the ones that you have to sacrifice and to give of yourself. And so that's what the message is about. It's about loving no matter what, 
It's about encouraging those who persecute you. It's about taking your cross and following him. Mm. That's like the, the heart is nails message, you know, mm. why the name exists and why it stayed. You know, mm. we could have changed it. <laughs> we could have <laughs> could have just changed it to you're amazing, but we didn't because we think it's important yeah. for people to know. So when I think young Nicholas is so integral, so important to the evangelist that you are now. You know, so so often it, yes. it's easy to be older Dave or older Amanda that, you know, we're, we're sharing where we've arrived at this point in our journey without really in acknowledging where the person that we're evangelizing to who we're accompanying, they're not at that place necessarily. And to take ourselves back to where they are and, and to be, um, yeah, to be messy, mm-hmm. uh, to recognize, you know, they're in a messy place yeah. and, you know, we've all been there, right? Yeah. <laughs> and to evangelize from that point. Yeah. Actually, that reminds me, um, what was this, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking to Father Rivera about David and the question of what kind of king would David be if he didn't go through all the hardship he went through? Mm-hmm. And similar to what you're yeah. saying, Dave, is, uh, you know, our, our stories kind of actually help bring us into um, the greatness that God has for us. We're talking a, uh, to, to Jacob and Nicholas. Uh, our theme today, our topic, is living in the world but not of it. Mm-hmm. And Amanda, you came across a couple catechism references that, that I, again, folks, pick up your catechism. There's, it's so relevant. It, it's so um, key to living uh, the Christian life. And they're just these pearls of wisdom that you came across. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it starts with the missionary mandate, um, having been sent to the nations uh, to, you know, preach the gospel and teaching them to, to observe all that Christ has given. So, I mean, we're all called to that by our baptism, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be in the world, right? That, mm-hmm. that step one, be yeah. in the world. I've got that down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here right now. Okay, so that's the easy part. Go be in the world. Yeah. Okay. It gets a little trickier when, or uh, I guess the challenge is, but not of it. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 And I mean, he even tells us, I'm sending you like sheep among wolves, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we know it's going to be difficult, but um, he's sending us into the world um, with himself, right? Never alone. Never alone. Yeah. It's funny. I Now I'm just reading this again. I reflected on this probably a few months ago um, when I was at a camp with, actually Nick was with me there. Um, Nicholas. Nicholas. It's so sorry. <laughs> Aaron's Aaron, listening. Aaron, forgive me. She knows me. <laughs> my mom She'll probably text me after so this one. <laughs> uh, my favorite, I think one of my favorite lines of this whole passage is the low I am with you always. Mm. So it's like, yeah. Like when you when you live in the world, when you are ministering in the world, whether you have a job, whether you're in school, whether you're um, a grandparent that is just taking care of you know kids and grandchild like grandkids, um, like he's with you always. Like there's never a moment um, in your doubts, in your successes, in the greatness, in the hard times, in the the times where he thinks everything is going well. Like he's always with you in all of those moments, and that's the only way we're gonna live this missionary mandate is if we take him with us. 
otherwise, you know, there's it's going to be hard and harder um, to do that without him. So, yeah, that's good. I go ahead, J- Jacob. How many yeah. years have you been in in mission now? This is my fifth year. Going fifth, on my fifth, fifth year. year. Okay, yeah. so I would assume then you've had these moments where, and correct me if I'm wrong, but sure. you had these moments where you've tried to do it without God, yeah. and then realize, okay, I actually need to be fed by Him first. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really. It. It actually. It hurts my heart a lot. Sure. I'm a big like. I really hate to fail. I hate to make mistakes, and that's like been one of the the biggest like growing points in my faith. Um the greatest lesson I've learned to that was a part of my journey is when I was in high school, I had the privilege to uh, shadow like a fire department. And so mm-hmm. I was a junior firefighter, like when I was in high school. And then I pursued that career afterwards. Um, and as a missionary, I was volunteering as at a fire department, a city fire department in Syracuse, New York for about two years. And so that's a very secular community. Mm-hmm. And so I loved what I was doing. I love the people I was around. We were just talking about this in the car right here. And I had this passion for something. And that's of the world, right? And, and as a missionary, my first calling in life, it was so hard to then take what I knew in my heart and communicate that verbally to those that knew nothing of it. Mm-hmm. And so to answer your question, yes, it was, it was a hard battle. And a lot of them were lost. A lot of them were the battles were lost. But the biggest lesson I learned is that even in those struggles and mistakes that I made of not communicating the gospel to them or even just living it in my actions and caring for what they're going through is that, you know, like the more I lean into the cross, the more I realize that um, like my woundedness speaks more volumes to them than any words I could communicate, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's just remembering, you know, and and just remembering that, you know, God's my encourager. He loves me, you know, I'm his son. So even in the moments where I forget to lean on him, he just kind of laughs and is like, ah, keep going. You know, you just got to keep going. So yeah, I've been there before still I am you know it's hard but it's good yeah yeah Nicholas what does it mean to you to be a missionary oh man well first of all I think everybody's a missionary right like I think mm-hmm. sometimes people can you know look at you know say say people look at me and they're like oh hard as nails like that's so cool what you do thank you for doing what you do but like I just got to say like everybody's a missionary like we're all missionaries we're all in need of Jesus Christ we all need growth okay great we're on the same page with that I think something that strikes me about being a missionary is like, like Jacob shared so beautifully about, Mm -hmm. you know, his experience with the fire department is like, he was using like the natural desires God placed on his heart to touch other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in my own life, you know, the desires God has put in on my heart has led me to minister to other people. And I think that's something we forget about sometimes is like, I think God works through our desires. So I would say to answer your question, like being a missionary is allowing your desires to be transformed and used for Christ. Like it's not even, it's not even forgetting, forgetting everything, all the dreams put on your heart. It's like, no, follow your dreams, follow your dreams, but like be open to the Lord using you just in that moment, in that, you know, car ride, in that, you know, plane trip, wherever you are, say, Lord, like, how can you use how can you use me right now you yeah. know following your desires following god i don't know if that's good but yeah this idea of he's not asking us to be something we're not but to elevate the gifts and desires that he's already given us and mm-hmm. to use them for his glory yeah mm-hmm. we're always evangelizing something right i mean it, it, it it's what we're going to to uh 
be excited about to uh, to share with others. I'm thinking of when you were duped, you know, by, <laughs> by, by by your friend on that camping trip. He he knew where your passion was, you know, to go on a, a camping trip or to spend some time together and yeah. um and he he used that then to evangelize you and, and bring you mm-hmm. not to manipulate you or to trick you though there may have been some of that <laughs> but 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 to to use your desire your interests in the world to to share you something that uh wasn't of this world yeah or is more than this world has to offer amen mm-hmm. yeah saint john of the cross one of my favorite saints says in order to become what you are not you must go by a way in which you are not and I think like my whole mm. journey as a missionary has been like that has summed it up well, you know, as I've grown and transformed into trying to be a follower of Christ. It's always been I'm going in I'm going in my way in the in the way that I know. And then God transforms me into something like I'm not, you know. I, I don't know. It's just it speaks to me every time the way God uses your desires to evangelize others and grow you closer to him. Jacob and Nicholas from Hard as Nails are with us here in the cafe this morning. What are what are some of the biggest challenges that you're you're seeing in in the high schools with uh, worldly allurement and and trying to sanctify some of these things that you know that the students are yeah. are facing? How do you bring bring Christ into some of the uh, most not just just not evil necessarily things, but just the, the distractions that they're using. How, how do you sanctify yeah. uh, those situations? Yeah. Number one that popped in my mind is perfectionism. Mm. Okay. Like this, this heavy, heavy weight on these kids' shoulders that they have to like achieve, which they do. You know, you have to hit your goals, but it's like this burden on their shoulders that they have to be perfect mm. in their in their their body, mind, and soul. You know, which we always are striving for, but it's an unhealthy and disordered way. Mm. And how we've been able to do that is just encourage them, catching them doing good, reminding them because a lot of them don't even know what, all that they're doing. Mm. You know, they're just chasing and chasing and chasing, and they forget. They're like running on a treadmill and forget that they can step off the treadmill and be like, "Oh my gosh, okay, I'm actually human." You know, and so that's like the biggest thing I've seen, and I'm not sure if you have anything else to add to that, but it's, it's hard. And it's funny for me in high school, I was like the complete opposite. I was not a perfectionist. Like I was doing everything I could to like get out of school. And so, um, it's been great to minister to those kids that are in that position. My role, basically, I just want to be their greatest encourager. Mm. You know, I want to encourage them when they drop a a touchdown pass. I want to encourage them when they fail a test, you know, because they're still the same person. doesn't change who they are. So that's a big one. I see perfectionism. At that age, too, well, I mean, for all of us, it, it, you're, there's, um, it's easy to look at the next thing. Yeah. It, always that next goal, that next step. You know, when you're in high school, what college is it going to be? You get to college, mm-hmm. what's the job? Mm-hmm. You know, where's the, the husband or the wife? Yeah. Where, you know, when we have children. So you're always looking forward, but what um, is so important is to stay in that present moment and and recognize the blessings the good the bad you know the ugly and 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 to find god right there present you know where's the lightning bug yeah and it's putting them it's like yeah amen like that yeah Yeah. it's like putting it back in order 
Yeah. You know, it's like so amazing. Like these kids, like they have the greatest hearts ever. Like I'm just so amazed by them. Like just being in school with them, just the way they like even talk to their classmates or whatnot, but they just don't see that. You know, they're always, like you said, they're always looking for the next one. So you're so right. Yeah. It's like seeing the lightning bug. I like that. I'm going to steal that. That's good. I might use it today in the school. <laughs> I'll be like, hey, what was the last time you saw a lightning bug? <laughs> I, have, I have some time to copyright it then. That's right. You do. You got like three hours. <laughs> when was the last time you saw a lightning bug? Listen to AM 820. <laughs> I came across this line uh, this morning. As a part of the scripture reflection on on today's gospel, but 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 the line is uh, paying too much attention to the furniture in the waiting room. Yeah, I saw this on your notes. I was like, okay, I hope he explains this. <laughs> well, I, it just how much time? Is, so you put yourself in, say, a doctor's office or in the waiting room, and um, obviously you're, it's a transition, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you're not meant to stay forever in that waiting room but how many of us treat kind of the world around us as this is where we're going to stay and you look at you know the the furniture you know you may have a tv on the wall a magazine rack or whatever and that and those things become our present and our future Mm -hmm. And and we're not looking to where where we're heading so the the journey that we're on and if you're there waiting for a long appointment, for a really long appointment, yeah, so you move a chair around. You reorganize the furniture, but but it's still a waiting room. You're, you're s- still journeying to somewhere else. And it just kind of struck me how, in, and then just in, in worldly things, what a distraction that is if you're not looking to something else. Then, you know, that piece of furniture or that magazine or, you know, the TV or whatever that distraction is becomes everything. Mm-hmm. The lack of having a idea that all things are passing. Mm-hmm. Kind of focusing too much on worldly things. In the world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just having, yeah, being s- submersed. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, part of the scripture today, the gospel from Luke, um, this is what stood out to me. Who then is the faithful and prudent steward whom the master will put in charge of his servants to distribute the food allowance at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom the master on arrival finds him doing so. I think that kind of ties in in a way this idea of um, are we keeping our eyes set on um, the goal and are we being proper stewards in the meantime of the blessed is the servant whom the master arrives finding doing so mm-hmm. that missionary mandate, right? Are we, do we have our eyes set on the right thing or, or are we being distracted by the world and living in the world? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually in John's gospel, you know, it has that whole passage where Jesus is in the garden and he's praying um, for the disciples and for all those he'll meet. And, you know, he just, um, he's praying that, that he would, that they would know the father and to be one with the father, um, and to not be of the world because really like God, God doesn't dwell in worldliness. He can't. 
right? Yeah. To the extent that he dwells in it through us. And and, and that, that's just one of the mysteries of the incarnation, uh, of how he enters this world to save this world, to sanctify this world. And it, it as missionaries, it's dependent on us, mm-hmm. you know, to, is it Teresa of Avila where his only hands and feet? Yeah. yeah? Did I get that one right? <laughs> All right. We'll go with it. Um, and how, yeah, I mean, God can do what God wants to do, obviously, but, but he wants us to participate. He wants us to be in the world. Mm-hmm. Wow. Jacob, I see your, your gears going. Yeah. What are you thinking? I just think back to, um, similar to Nick, my life was really impacted in high school. Christ really met me when I was a young person. Um, my first encounter with scripture, the only Baba verse I memorized was from a retreat that I made when I was 16 was Revelation chapter three, verse 20. So it kind of relates to this a little bit, but um, it's behold, I stand at the door and knock and those who open the door, I will come in and dine with him and him with me. So what was kind of on my heart and mind when we're talking about this topic of living in the world, but not of it is um, sometimes we get like distracted and we let those distractions, like you said, the furniture, this is where it's coming. I'm like processing now the whole furniture thing. Like the, the, the explanation was it's great. It's kind of like up. where you were a couple of minutes ago. Um, it's like sometimes we do let those things Walk him into Dave's us. head. I great. know. This yeah. is great. It's so exciting. Lightning bugs, caterpillars, furniture. This is great. Um, but yeah, like that Bible verse speaks so much to me right now because the times where we do get distracted and whether we're living in the world or we're living of the world, um, but that's never an excuse not to invite him back into that. And so like this, this verse in John, um, something I was like reading, like a highlighted verse is sanctify them in truth. Um, and right when I was reading that, you said like sanctify, like God sanctifies, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth as you sent me in the, into the world. So I have sent them into the world. And so it's just so beautiful because in the disciples brokenness and our brokenness, he still calls us to send us back in. And there's never a doubt or moment in, in God, the father's mind in Christ's mind that would ever take that away from us, that call, the missionary mandate. And that's just what's beautiful, you know, and the struggles that I've had in life, he's always called me back. There's always been an open door for me to open for him to come in. So, yeah, that's kind of what was, was going through my mind, my heart right there. Like, yeah, so if anyone's really listening and they felt like, oh, man, I haven't been limiting this missionary mandate, remember, like, you can open the door and invite him back in because there's always tomorrow. There's always today. So not always tomorrow. As the Rocky movie says, Apollo Creed. <laughs> Sorry, Rocky. Disrespected you there. <laughs> there is no tomorrow. <laughs> no, no. Uh, well, maybe this idea of, okay, we haven't, maybe we haven't been living at that missionary mandate out. Well, okay, well, so what's the first step then? What are your thoughts? Yeah. Thank you, Nick. Because it can be kind of intimidating, this idea of like, well, where do I get started then? How do I do that? Yeah. I mean, step one, I'm glad this is a Catholic-like radio station. Just get in front of the Blessed Sacrament. It'll yeah. change your life. <laughs> I think step two, like, play to your strengths. Like, like, let's look at our lives. One of the things I really encourage people to do, especially when they're starting out on their faith journey, is like, get a journal. I'm telling you, like, it'll change your life. Just like, you know, once or twice a week, write down like what's going on in your life. 
whatever you're praying for, you know, whatever you feel like you need. And then you will look back months from now on the things you journaled on months ago, and you'll see the way God worked in your life. Mm. And that's, you know, the word that like comes to mind is witness. Like as a missionary, you're a witness to what God has done with your life. And sometimes like this is what the enemy does. Like the enemy doesn't necessarily prevent God from working in your life, but he prevents you from seeing it, Mm. right? He's going to distract you, make you look at the furniture, get caught up in the world, being in the world. He'll get you caught up in that. And then you're not going to be able to witness to what Christ has done for you. So being, you know, being intentional about journaling and seeing what you can bear witness to how God has transformed your life. I think that's a great, a great first step for people or second step after you start, you know, going before Jesus in the Eucharist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And this, just this idea of giving glory to God, like giving glory where it's due, Mm -hmm. right? If he's done something great in your life, we should be able to, to give him thanks and praise for that and share that with others and not hold that to ourselves. Father Ricardo had a, has a quote. I probably, it's not as obscure as the whole furniture thing. Um, but he, <laughs> he's talking about... The furniture thing was pretty good. <laughs> um, Mother Teresa actually had two views of uh, the real presence. When we talk about the real presence, obviously the first one that comes to mind is, is the Eucharist, right? Second is she saw the real presence in everyone that she met. Mm. And how... Doesn't that just change how you see people, how you interact with people, how you, boy, just live with people? Um, And you look at all the divisiveness in the in the world, all the pain and suffering, and um, who we perceive as as being enemies. But just to turn that to look for the real presence in these people. One of the big motifs we're talking about the gospel of John is also light, Mm. right? And uh, uh, Psalm 36 and morning prayer this morning talks about in your light, we see light. So in Christ's light, we see that light then in, in others. To kind of piggyback off of that to a friend of mine, Brad always talks about this idea of what would happen if everyone all at once, like when you're walking down the street, you just recognize that everyone you passed has one of two eternal destinations, mm. right? That we're all on this journey and everyone's going to one of two places in the end of it. And how much that puts it in perspective and the weight of that. And I think that really is what spurs it into that that missionary lifestyle. I'm kind of coming back to what you said earlier, Nick, um, Nicholas. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> on behalf of my mother. Um, <laughs> thank you. But coming back to what you said, that it's not, I think it would be easy for someone to say, well, you guys are missionaries Mm. because that is your occupation as much as your mission, right? Mm. But coming back to what you said earlier, Nicholas, that everyone's a missionary in in their own areas. So the the businessman who might be on his way to work right now, um, working a nine to five in finance, Mm -hmm. you know? That's right. Well, gosh, they're they're probably not thinking to themselves, oh, well, I'm a missionary, but I've been kind of, as we've been having this discussion, thinking about that word missionary is is someone who is sent into a foreign territory, right? And recognizing that the place that we are here is actually foreign territory to us by by right of our baptism, Mm -hmm. that our, our, you know, origin story has been transplanted to heaven mm-hmm. and so now all of a sudden it kind of flips it on its head that that when you're in the you know waiting room 
you're recognizing this is not like this is not the the reality of it that I know there's that I'm not from this place and this place is not my end but actually there's something much bigger than it and then helping the others around us to recognize that too I think that really gets to the heart of it because again recognizing that that other person has one of two eternal destinations they're either going to be stuck in the waiting room forever mm. or they're going to recognize that that God has something bigger than that for them yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and even if the person that you know we're ministering to or even if we can't say the the name of Christ in our environment for some reason I think it gets back to that idea of testimony of just the example of our life makes people wonder, okay, what's going on there? Uh What do they have? My wife, uh, Carol is so good about just being present to people. And Kroger is her mission field. (laughs) And just forget the high schools. We're going to Kroger. (laughs) Come on. Well, Kroger has a lot of benefits. There's ice cream, there's (laughs) there's pastries. But uh, just a kind word Mm -hmm. has had such an impact. And especially to the workers that are there. I mean, that usually that that's who she's witnessing to and, and, and uh, really spending time. She'll purposely avoid going to the self checkout Yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah. to, to just have that word with, wow. uh, with the, uh, with the worker there and, and just a, a hello. Yeah. I mean, just think of the monotony of, you know, scanning yeah. and, and no one, you know, they're irritated by the time they work through, yep. Yep. you know, that's Th- holy. 13 people <laughs> that's holy that's really missionary i think and yeah and, and and very often it's a smile and a simple word but then there's also been those occasions where she'll run out to the car grab a miraculous medal <laughs> or a holy card and uh so keep us supply you know in in the minivan uh yeah. to, to, to continue right. these conversations yeah. but she she does it so well yeah. wow that's awesome. Yeah, one of the things that we're like known for hard as nails is like the you're amazing message. So if you see like a car whipping around Columbus, it says you're amazing on the side, that's us. <laughs> um but yeah, it just goes back to that premise of like recognizing everybody, you know, like not missing someone. You know, there's a lot we have a saying at Hard as Nails like don't be a belly button person where it's like you got your head down, you're just like kind of like walking through life, not paying attention to people. It's like, no, like open your eyes, like you're the light. You know, you are the light, you're a missionary. And if everyone's amazing, if everybody has an eternal destination, then like we are called by God, chosen by God to go out and impact every person we meet, like give them a chance, just give them the opportunity to know that they're amazing, that they're a child of God, that, Hey, your life is bigger than you. Just so you know, you know, is that that your conversation starter? So you run into somebody walking (laughs) out of a Kroger and you make eye contact and you just say, you're amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a huge, actually just the other day I heard, I don't, you often don't hear the fruit of it because it's like, Hey, you're amazing. And then the, like a lot of times you don't see the fruit of it. But just the other day I had somebody, I said, you're amazing to somebody. I was at Franciscan university. I said, you're amazing to them. Came back a couple months later and I found out I met somebody who was like roommates with that person because I said, you're amazing to them too. And they stopped and talked to me and they were like, did you say you're amazing to like a girl blonde? I was <laughs> oh like, oh man, gosh. that was definitely me. But she, she she starts sharing with me. She's like, yeah, like just so you know, like my roommate after that just started crying mm. 
mm. after you left because like she was just going through a really hard time mm. and I mean, she, she didn't feel amazing at that point she didn't feel amazing right like yeah. she didn't you for i think we forget oftentimes in our life like you forget you matter you forget you're important you forget that like god died for you regardless of how you feel regardless of what you've done mm. comes back around to they're amazing because they have dignity right? yeah they're, they're children of god they're not amazing because they you know uh caught the pass yeah. you know they they got the a yeah. yeah. Um, There's a reverence there for the human person, you know. It's like this this person before me, they matter, just like Mother Teresa did so well. Like, yeah. I think there's a story about Mother Teresa where she was holding like a dying Hindu man, um, and he was he was extremely scared about where he was going, and he just looks up, and you know, Mother's consoling him, and he says, "Mother, you know, if if the person who decides my fate." is anything like you, then I don't have to be afraid anymore. Oh, and I, wow. I think that's the missionary calling is to bring that same peace to, to everyone we encounter in Kroger and in high school and in the daily commute, anybody you walk past, you know, we all need that peace and encouragement. Amen. Jacob and Nicholas are here in the cafe with Amanda and me this morning. We're talking about living in the world, but not of it. Mm. Yeah, part of John says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. And that just struck me because we were talking about living in the world, but not of it. And yeah, we're we're actually not called to be outside of the world, (laughs) to be, I guess, be in that waiting room and to minister those who are also in the waiting room. (laughs) Um, yeah, see, the waiting room's making more sense yeah, now. It really it does. does. It really does. Well, that analogy is bearing a lot of fruit right yeah. now. <laughs> um, and I actually, I have, I have a couple friends who have shared this similar idea of, you know, we can sometimes, at least I know in my own life, get caught up in our own maybe Catholic bubble and our friends and hmm. want to be kind of in the comfort of surrounding ourselves with. I'm um, just people who are similar to us or have the same faith. And you mentioned this and, yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I was really inspired by her words of, you know, I actually feel like I should be going out to, to people who are worldly, mm. like be in those places, maybe, you know, of course not stepping into sinful situations, yeah. yep. but to be in places where people don't see the light of Christ mm-hmm. and to put ourselves kind of in that world space so that, um, we can, can bring others yeah that's a good point i mean i think i've i've definitely been in similar similar shoes in that because there's like a great balance right like you said it's like finding the the equilibrium of okay stepping out of my comfort zone um really i think as a young person too if you're listening you're like a young adult i think there's there's more of a call when you're in your youthfulness to step out into those uncomfortable areas and you can do that as an adult um, as an elderly, but I think as a youth, as your youthfulness that God has given you, the zealousness that's on your heart, the passion, the urgency that you have, the energy that we have, we have to put that to use. Mm. And so, yeah, like I think it's very encouraging to hear that um, because that right there is a desire to to spread the gospel, mm-hmm. right? So if you feel like a little twitch on your heart, or if you feel that uh, movement of like, man, I'm I'm like that restlessness, like at heart as nails we have, it's like. We do this. I know you can't see it because it's a podcast. But it's like the emotions are all over the place, right? Um, lean into that and pray through that mm-hmm. and see where the, like what Nick said, relying on your strengths, where you can most easily do that 
in your circle, like mm-hmm. as they call it, like a circle of influence, right? So where is that in your circle of influence where you can plug that into? Because maybe what I love to talk about too is maybe that is in the Catholic circle, right? Maybe that's where we start, mm-hmm. right? Maybe as a young adult, that's where we start. Maybe as like an adult, maybe in your, your Bible study or your group or your family and your home, that's where we can start the most because right. oftentimes that's where we can creep in um, too, with a lot of like distractions, right. In our family life and our young adults. So, um, that's awesome. Encourage your friend. That's a great place to be. I'm sure you have, you're great at that. So, so explain this idea of, uh, your circle of influence. Sure. Yeah. So I learned this probably about three years ago. Um, I learned it on a different topic, but I've used it, applied it to a lot of things in life. So the circle of influence is if you looked at your life and you drew a circle, um, on a piece of paper, and you were to fill that circle within um, names and people, um, things that you associate with, whether that's you're in a workplace and you have coworkers, right? Whether that's me and my missionary life and my firefighter friends, like I have all these people in my circle of influence. And from the circle of influence, um, these are people that I directly correlate my life to. So I have a connection with a face-to-face encounter. I can call them up and they would receive. So with evangelization, your circle of influence, what I'm talking about in particular is these people where if you were to call them, if you were to see them, you could pick up a conversation and you can talk about life, et cetera, this mm-hmm. and that. So for evangelization, it's important to look at that circle of influence of, okay, who are these people that could receive something from me? Because mm. anyone outside of the circle of influence are the Kroger lady, are the kids in high school that we haven't met yet, right? Are the people in passing at work in our cubicle that we haven't even seen yet. So those are outside of that circle of influence. But the ones in there are the ones most susceptible because they know us. Mm. They know our heart. They know what we go through. They've seen it before. So they're going to be able to hear the gospel message, your testimony, mm. like you were sharing, like Nick was sharing, um, even more. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm thinking of what you guys are doing in the high schools too, where you're becoming a part of somebody's circle. Yeah where there may not be Christ in anyone. Yeah. You know, no one else is, is bringing what you're bringing in, into their lives mm-hmm. at that moment. And what a profound impact. Cause you look at how many people we actually have in, in our circles and a high schooler has probably even fewer, mm-hmm. you know, people in their lives. And if no one is sharing Christ with them, yeah. then, then where, where are they being pulled? Mm-hmm. You know, where, what are they being influenced by? Mm-hmm. You had mentioned, mentioned, uh, perfectionism. Are you seeing a lot of ap- apathy or lethargy? Mm. I think this is right up Nick's alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a, like, I'm a super like passionate guy. Right. So apathy. Yeah. You, I do see like a decent amount of like, I don't know, like the word that comes to mind is like lackadaisicalness yeah. you know, where it's like, you're okay. It's like, okay, this is like my belief. This is like, and the, uh, Jacob calls me out on this so beautifully. It's like, this is like my belief. And then like, you know, when push comes to shove, you know, people kind of fold all of a sudden where it's like, okay, like, yeah, I'm going to like live my faith. I'm going to go out and do this. I have this strong resolution to do something. And then it's like, bam, life comes. And all of a sudden, all those ideas you had in your head are just ideas, mm. you know? Um, I think there's a real call to like faithfulness, right? Like, we know from the word, like from the Bible, that like God is faithful, right? You hear that a lot, like God is faithful, God is faithful. But our calling, you know, as missionaries, as the Pilgrim Church, is to be, to be imitators of Christ. So we're supposed to be faithful. So it's like, you see, like you see this apathy in people a lot, and I think across our culture as a whole, 
there's like a struggle with like a lack of passion for what they do. So it's like we're called to be faithful to the calling that's put on our heart. I think um, Diedrich von Hildebrand, um, a G- German philosopher, he talks about like the the virtue of like faithfulness. How it's like there's two people. There's people who like are easily swayed. You know, the people who are like not necessarily faithful. And then there's the people who is like, this is like the man who is like faithful, who is like, will stand up for their morals. You know, when push comes to shove, they will dig their heels in for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, And the example that comes to mind, just, you know, to throw this out there is like mothers. Mm -hmm. Um, It's easy. Like I, some people look at me and they're like, wow, you're a missionary. That's so cool. Like, thank you for what you do. But it's like, I know in my heart of hearts that the mother is like that is like the real yeah. missionary. Like a mom with, you know, a couple kids and, a, you know, the busy life. Sk- like that is being more of a missionary than I could ever hope to be. Um, but mothers mm-hmm. are so faithful. Like I just reflect on how my mother like loved me like day in and day out. Like as much as like I was a jerk to her, as much as like I wasn't into my faith and all these things, like my mother was faithful. My mom was a very faithful woman. She came in. She showed up for me every day. My mother was not apathetic. She was, this is the standard, and she held me radically accountable to that. And, yeah, I'd like to think it's bearing fruit now. So, mm. Should we bring in the mom of all moms? Oh, yeah. Mama Mary. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts? What are you thinking? Well, just. I love Our Lady. Yeah. Yeah. I, she's missionary for sure. She's missionary. For sure. I think our our lady is like, oh man. You look at, I mean, just look at one of the greatest moment, the greatest moment in history, the crucifixion of Christ. Like, who was at the cross? Right. You know. So it's like going to the cross first, um, and she knew her call, she knew her place, and she radically loved that, and she radically was faithful to her call. Um, and then outside of that, like, I think what if anybody's ever seen the Passion of Christ? Like, there's two scenes in that movie that really really impacted me and the one scene was when jesus was on his way to calvary and it's like a five second scene but he walks past this like um, corridor and our lady's like sitting there she's sobbing but she sees him and see he sees her but he keeps going and she keeps going because she knows like this is this is his call and so like our lady is just so touching as a missionary because she loves no matter what she loved those people no matter what. She she really dug her heels in, like Nick said, and she she stayed within her call and she she you know she plowed faithful. forward. Yeah, she was faithful in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the cross, uh, our Lord brings uh, Mary together with John. That's right. And to then go into the world, mm-hmm. right? So that there's the missionary element of the of the church mm. with Mary. Yeah. Not not ever ever separated Mm -hmm. and what a beautiful reality it is for us uh as missionaries uh, as church Mm -hmm. uh to know that uh yeah we have mary with us to always always uh, lead us to christ Mm -hmm. yeah and if we have any friends who have not done the consecration to Jesus through Mary, I just want to advocate for that. Get on it. Yeah, <laughs> just because. Rip well, the chain. <laughs> <come on>. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, what's, what a blessing it is. And of course, all the graces that come through that. Um, so there's that side of things. But also just the relationship with a mother. Like you were sharing, Nick, like this, how faithful and how 
um, supportive uh, and loving a mother can be mm-hmm. and how blessed we are when we cultivate that relationship with, with our lady, right? Yeah. And the beauty that Jesus even entrusts us with his mother. Mm. Like, come on, one of his, That's you know, huge. greatest treasures. Yeah. And then he's like, right. he turns and he's like, will you take care, like take her into your home? Oh my goodness. What the <laughs> heck? Why wouldn't we listen to that? Mm. That's the greatest gift. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I had this, you know, this, I have a wild imagination, but what I want to like, it, the things that popped in my head, I was like praying before a statue of the Pieta and it was like, God, like how can I prevent like getting burnt out? You know, because mm. I think a lot of people hit this like place where they're spinning their wheels, not going anywhere. And that the word I got as I was like looking at the Pieta is like, you have to be helpless in the arms of your mother. You know, like mm. who who held Christ when he came, you know, when he came down from the cross? It was his mom, you know? Yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> that that she walks. Yeah. Actually, um, Jacob, as you were sharing you, the part in the scene of the passion that hits you, same scene hits me as well. And she didn't, even though she could have had some sway over Jesus, she didn't stop him in his passion. She just walked with him. And she walks with us in, as we carry our cross as well. And then Nick, like you shared, it, when we're tired and weary from that cross and we just kind of feel dead, she holds us. Yeah. Like my mom would always sing to me the, you are my son. Yeah. <laughs> I like literally get tears thinking about it, but it's like, I have this memory of like my mom holding me as a kid, like singing me that song good night and just being so touched by like the beauty of a mother, like holding her child. And it's like, okay, some, like I know the reality of the world right now isn't great. Some of the people listening to this might not have like a real mom to turn to, mm-hmm. but I have like a real, like I have a truth for you right now is like, if you're listening to this and you don't have a mom or a dad in your life, that's, that's actually a lie. Like you have a God who is your father who loves you very much. You have a mother, the mother who, you know, held her son when he was crucified, who knows suffering, who knows you. Um, so just, I like lean into that truth that you have a mom, you have a dad, you know, if yours aren't perfect, well, you have ones that are, you know, and they're, they're closer than our physical mom and dad in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How can we cultivate that? What do you think, Dave? Wow, we covered some ground today. I know. <laughs> I'm really so excited. Good. Wow. Yeah, it, it's start your days well. Yeah. And, and and give the first fruits of every every day mm. uh to the Lord through Mary. Mm. And and just start with that mindset that you're amazing. <laughs> amen, right? Amen. And, and and bring it into the world. So Jacob and Nicholas, thank you so much. Thank man. you. What a blessing to have you with us today. You're amazing. You're amazing. God bless you. Our lady protect you. How can people learn about Hard as Nails? Yeah, you can connect with us through website, through social media. Our website is You're Amazing HN. And then also our social media tags. You can look at Justin Fatika, the founder of Hard as Nails, um, podcast, real as anything else. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. God bless you all.